it is going to be a study on the oneness of God. It's on the Godhead. We want to understand the Godhead. Why does it matter whether or not we understand the Godhead? Because if we cannot have faith in who Jesus says he is, it is hard for us to have faith in what Jesus says he will do. Okay? So we need to know who Jesus is, and we need to understand that, and we want to do so. Um, it is a strong part. Matter of fact, I would say it is the one of the cornerstone, if not the cornerstone doctrine, one of the most important doctrines of the church is to understand who Jesus is. And we need to know that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. When Jesus came in the New Testament, God did not violate his own powerful law of who he was. Jesus was not someone other than God. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Son of God, Son of Man. Son of God, Son of Man. And I want to talk about that. We sang a song a while ago. Sometimes if people don't understand the Godhead clearly, they even, they even are uh, uncomfortable singing certain songs. And, and we sang one a while ago. And, and if you don't understand who Jesus is and you're Pentecostal, it'll make you nervous. But when you know who he is and you understand the sonship of Jesus... It don't bother you to say things like the sun. It, 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 you, you have the proper understanding of all of that. And again, as I told the adult Sunday school class this morning, we are not fearful of any scripture in the Bible. We understand that none of them are, are anything that we cannot build upon. All scripture is given by God and is profitable. So we, we want to begin to get into that and it's going to be wonderful. However, on Sundays in the month of August, I am going to be preaching a series that I am excited about. It's just I'm calling it the Summer Song Series. And I'm going to be taking a, to what is to me a beloved song every week. And I'm going to be preaching using that as a launch point. We're using the Bible. Don't get scared. We're using the Bible. But I'm using that as a reference point. And we are going to, uh, to be preaching through some of these. And we're going to be covering a lot of different topics. Um, the direction I'm going in today, I did not even really feel it. You, you think I'm going to preach one thing by looking at that title right there? I've got a feeling that's what I'm preaching today. You think I'm going to preach one thing? I'm preaching something else probably, though, than what you think I'm preaching. So don't try to get ahead of me. And uh, we're going to be preaching about... We're going to be preaching about it's all in him. We're going to be preaching. I'm not going to tell you all of them. There's some good. I don't want to give it all away. But God's going to do great things on Sundays in August as well. Can you say amen? amen. So don't miss it. Judges 16 and 20. Judges 16 and 20. This is Samson. He has fooled around with Delilah for a while. And this is the last point. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out, notice this, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. 
howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport. And they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that led him by the hand, He said, Suffer me that I may feel. Everybody say feel. Feel. Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women. And all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee. And strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. I am preaching to you today. I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. Would you lift your hands and ask the Lord to help us today through the preaching of the word. Hallelujah. Lord, ears to hear and hearts to understand what your spirit would say today. And help us today, Lord, through the preaching of your word. Let me be anointed. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is a word that should cause each and every Christian to ask God that he would search their hearts in deep and true introspection. It is a small word. But it has such a huge meaning that it must never be overlooked in our lives. That word, precious people that I pastor, that word is sin. While our natural bodies may struggle with various sicknesses, diseases, and maladies, we must never forget that there is a soul disease that is far more deadly than any leukemia, than any infection or any heart attack could possibly be. Diabetes is no match for sin. Cancer fades away in comparison. Because while those and and other earthly diseases can and do ravage the body, sin has the awful and the terrible ability to ravage the soul of a man or a woman whether they be young or whether they be old. 
The Bible declares to us that God is no respecter of persons. And I am very thankful for that today. But as the voice of the Lord to this church, I must also declare to you that sin, horrible sin, is no respecter of persons as well. Sin doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care where you come from. It doesn't care if you are rich, if you are poor, or somewhere in between. It doesn't bother sin if you live in a high-rise on Park Avenue in New York City, or if you live in a cardboard shanty under an overpass. Sin is an equal opportunity employer. Sin doesn't care what your credit score is. It doesn't care what your hobbies are. It doesn't matter to sin if you're a family man or if you're a bachelor. Sin is no racist. It welcomes all cultures, all colors, and all kinds. It will gladly embrace the young people in this church today. And it will open its arms to the eldest among us. Sin does not play favorites, ladies and gentlemen. It isn't an elite club. Sin is the most welcoming entity on planet earth outside of the kingdom of God. And whether we like it or not, whether we want to hear it, Or not, we need an anointed man of God. All of us, including this man preaching to you today, we need to hear an anointed man of God lift up their voice, point their bony finger in our face, and tell us that Satan wants to use sin to destroy our spiritual lives and that we need to and we must do everything that we possibly can to stay away from sin. You ought to go read your Bible and you'll discover something very horrible about sin. In the Old Testament, in the law of Moses, any time that sin is mentioned, you will notice that it is almost immediately followed by death. I'm going to give you several scriptures very quickly. And I want you to notice something. Exodus 10, 17. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once. And entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. Deuteronomy 21, 22. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death. And he be to be put to death. And thou hang him on a tree. Deuteronomy 24 and 16 ends by saying. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Proverbs eight thirty six. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his soul, and all that they that hate me love death. Folks, that is Old Testament law. In the Old Testament, sin was punishable by physical death. But in the New Testament, something even more terrible happens. After the ascension of Jesus Christ from this earth into glory, after his resurrection, after he has gone back into the heavens, A transition has taken place between the natural and the spiritual. It doesn't take long for us to read the scripture and to realize that now a fate worse than physical death becomes the reward of sin. No longer is it merely your body that passes away. But the New Testament writers let us know that sin actually brings death to your spiritual man. Romans 6 and 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, 
His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. James 1 and 15, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. James 5 and 20. Let him know. He said, tell the church that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So sin brings about spiritual death. In our New Testament church dispensation in which we are living in today. I couldn't preach to you strongly enough about sin today. And tell you how much you need to hate sin. And how far away you need to get from sin. I don't have the words to declare to you the evil end of sin. I don't have the oratory to move you like you need to be moved today. For you to understand just how horrible sin is. And what it does to the life, to the soul of the person that sinneth. We have to make up in our minds that we don't want to have anything to do with sin. I'm wanting to preach to a church today. And I hope there's people that walk out of this building saying, I don't want any part of sin. I don't want to touch sin. I don't want to go near sin. I don't want to entertain sin. I don't want to have pleasure in others that do sin. God help me to stay as far away from sin as I can possibly get. Help me, Lord, to get away from from it and to get close to you. Hallelujah. It begs the question, what then is sin? What is it, pastor, that causes something to be a sin? A sin can be defined as that which contradicts the principles and the precepts of God Almighty. It goes against His ways. And it's things that are against His nature. And ultimately, sin brings separation between humanity and God. I'd like to state at this point in our message that sometimes in our carnality, we as people want to argue and fuss and fight more over whether or not separation from this world is a big deal or not, when what we really need to be interested in is will this cause me to be separated from God? It is hard for you to cleave to both God and the world. Separation has to happen somewhere. The Bible still teaches, and this pastor still believes, that we must come out from among them and be separate unto God. You have to let go of one if you're going to grab hold of the other. Please let me remind you, If you're getting caught up with the world and you're getting caught up with things of this world. And not everything in this world is sin. But just about anything in this world can lead you to sin if you're not careful. And so let me just tell you a few things and remind you of a few things. That it was not the world that formed us in the womb. It was not the world that filled my lungs with breath this morning. It wasn't the world that kept me when I couldn't keep myself. It wasn't the world that loved me when I was unlovable. 
the world didn't save me when I was lost. It's not the world that anointed me, that ordered my steps, and that picks me up every time I fall down. It's not the world that healed me. It wasn't the world that delivered me from the snare of the enemy. It wasn't the world that provided for me. It wasn't the world that justified me. It's not the world that sanctifies me. And it's not the world that put purpose in my heart. It wasn't the world that blessed me in spite of myself. It's not the world that has strengthened me in my weakness. That's given me beauty for ashes. That's filled me with the oil of joy for mourning. The world never exchanged the spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise. And the world never gave me peace in the middle of my storms. It's not the world that has soothed my mind in the midst of chaos. It's not the world that established my going in and my coming out. And it's not the world that planted me like a tree beside the water. And it's not the world that's made my feet like hinds feet on high places. No, the world never did any of those things for me. But I would like to tell you who did. His name is Jesus. And he's here today. Somebody give the Lord some praise right about now. Oh, let me tell somebody about Jesus. My Savior, my comfort, my refuge, my strong tower, my will in the middle of a will. My salvation, He's my banner, He's my healer, He's my deliverer, He's my provider, He's my way maker. Yeah, that's what Jesus has been doing for me. That's what Jesus has been doing for me. The world never did that. No college ever did that. No job ever did that. The devil certainly never did that. It's only been Jesus. 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 Jesus was there when I was high. He was there when I was low. Jesus was there when I was right. He was there when I was wrong. Jesus was there when I was good. He's been there when I've been bad. Jesus was there when I was happy. Jesus was there when I was sad. Jesus was there when I felt encouraged. Jesus was there when I felt lonely. It's always been Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, it was Jesus. And I want you to know from from before creation how much farther before from before where we can't get to the beginning of it from way back there to as far as eternity rolls it's always going to be Jesus that's who I believed in that's who I'm serving today Jesus Eddie James wrote a song one time he said it this way I can never repay you, Lord, for what you've done for me. How you loose my shackles and you set me free. How you made a way out of no way. Turn my darkness into day. You've been my joy in the time of sorrow. You've been my hope for my tomorrow. Peace in the time of storm. Strength when I'm weak and worn. And he followed all that up by giving the song a title that said, Lord, you've been so faithful 
And I want you to know this morning, you're going to be separated from one or the other. You can either separate from the world or you can separate from God. But it's not going to work to hold on to both of them. You may try to, but Jesus said, if you try to have both of us, he said, at some point, I'll just spew you out of my mouth. He said, I'd rather you either go live with the world or I'd rather you come live with me. But I'm not going to do this in between stuff. He said, you're either going to give me a full commitment or you're not going to give me any commitment at all. It's not a token commitment to living for God, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to give him everything that we have. And I want you to understand that separation is not a dirty word. Separation is not a word that we should be ashamed of or embarrassed about or that we should hang our heads about. I'm glad to be separated unto God. I'm glad to be separated unto God. I don't mind separating from the world because the world hasn't been faithful to me. But Jesus has been faithful to me and I choose to cleave today unto Jesus. So we've got to separate from the one so that we can cleave to the other. And if we don't cleave to Jesus, sin lies at the door. And sin is waiting. And sin's like that crouching lion. He's just waiting on somebody to walk by that he can pounce on. But wherever I go, I have a hedge round about me. (laughs) The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run into it and is saved. And wherever I go, I'm going in the name of Jesus. I'm going in the name of Jesus. I got up this morning and came to church in the name of Jesus. I'll get up tomorrow and I'll go about and doing all the things I've got to do. And I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. And when the devil tries to come around and jump up on me, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And I'm just believing when that devil tries to jump on my back, Brother Terry, he's just going to hit a brick wall. And he's going to slide back down. Why? Because I've decided to separate unto Jesus. I want to live for him I want to give him everything I can I'm not afraid or ashamed to give it to the Lord he's worthy of everything that I could give him God help us to never follow the separating path of sin that ultimately leads to spiritual death folks Samson messed up he messed up big time he started being very flippant With the grace and the mercy of God. Samson knew who he was. He knew the vow that his parents had made for him. He knew he was a Nazarite. Samson wasn't ignorant of what God expected from him. Yet it appears to me that Samson did that thing that so many of us do when we grow cold in the Lord. He began to push the boundaries that God had given him for his own protection. You read his story, you'll find he started touching dead things. God said, don't touch dead things. He started hanging out with the world. He shouldn't have been hanging out with the world. He, he, he gave himself to women who did not love and serve the Lord. And he should not have given himself to a woman who does not love and serve the Lord. He eventually let down the last boundary between him and Delilah. You've probably heard his story. And he told her, she said, where's your great strength come from, Samson? He said, well... He, he, he lied to her a couple of times. He said, you know, if you put chains around me, I wouldn't be able to break loose from those chains. And, and, and she put chains on him while he slept. And when the Philistines came, she said, awake. And Samson woke up and he just, he just busted those chains. And, 
And here he goes, and he, he runs those guys out of town. And, and she said, well, you lied to me. That's not true. He said, well, if I was bound with, with seven green cords that, that are fresh, she said, he said, that would keep it. And so she did that to him, and here they come again, and Samson once more breaks loose, and, and he runs them out as well. Finally, she said, Samson, he grew weary of it. Sin will wear you down, folks. You start entertaining sin, sin will wear you down. Well, I'm only... Can I preach like I want to preach? Well, I'm only going to go this far with it. I know how far I can go. I know the line I've got. Well, you... Okay, you, you, you're big and bad. You think you're going to go with that? Uh-huh. But, but I got news for you. Sin has a way of wearing you down. And you keep going up to that line, up to that line. up, And finally, sin says, come on, just come over a little bit more. And Samson took that trip one day. He said, if you cut the hair on my head. He said, I've been a Nazarite from the day I was born. I've been dedicated to God. If you were to cut this hair on my head, I'd be just like any other man. And she shaved his head while he slept and, and bound him up. And when they came in, Samson, he thought he'd shake himself as before. The Bible said he wished not that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Samson tried to loosen up. Oh, this will be nothing. It's just those guys. I've killed a thousand at one time with the jawbone of a donkey. Few of those guys don't bother me one bit. And he thought he'd shake loose. And he goes to shake, but nothing happens. And he's trying to figure out what's going on. He realizes, oh my goodness, sin has destroyed me. My hair's gone and it's cut off. And he was not what he should have been anymore. When he let down that last boundary between him and Delilah, how quickly did the mighty fall. They put out his eyes. They blinded him. They took him to their prison in Gaza. They bound him with fetters of brass. And they made him to grind like an ox in the prison house. Folks, that is the road that sin leads us down on the way to death. Sin had so separated Samson from God. Samson should have never got to that point. Samson should have heard the voice of the Lord saying, Samson, don't do it. Samson, don't go this way. Samson, don't go that way. No, Samson. No, Samson. No. Samson should have heard the voice of the Lord. But he had gone so deep into sin. He was so separated from God that he could not hear the Lord calling to him to warn him of the danger that he was headed toward. Sometimes when we fall into sin, we begin to make decisions that lead us farther and farther away from God. And they lead us deeper and deeper into destruction. And you better hear this preacher today. I'm not talking about things I don't know about. I know exactly what I'm talking about today. First, the Bible shows it to us. And second, I've been around long enough to watch it happen. When you begin to follow a path of sin... it's kind of like Hansel and Gretel following the the path of the crumbs. It just keeps leading you deeper and deeper, and it takes you there. It takes you there. It takes you there. And and, and sin's going to take you somewhere you never planned on going. And you're going to wind up a lot deeper in something than you ever planned on being in it. And I've got, there's people who thought, well, I'm just going to live my life a little bit looser than I've been living it. And I'm going to have a little bit of fun, but I'm not going to go too far because I understand how far I can get with this thing. But 
But before it's all said and done, there's been some situation. There's been some circumstance, something that sin has done to entrap you. And now, you, whether you want to turn to God or not, I hope you do. But, but even if you turn to God, you've got prices to pay. And you've got things you've got to reap that you've sown. And you've, got to, you've, got to, you, you've entangled yourself in stuff that may never go away, some of it. And I'm wanting to warn somebody today and tell them, don't, don't mess with sin. Don't, don't get near sin. Get as far away from it as you possibly can. Don't get your family near sin. My Lord, my Lord. Parents, don't get your family near sin. Dads, don't get your kids or your wife near sin. Moms, don't get your children near sin. Don't do it. Stay as far away from it as you can. My goodness, let there be at least one in the house that'll say, no, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not going to go that way, and we're not going to do those things. Folks, we've got to have a commitment to God that says, I want to refuse sin in my life. I know I'm preaching a little hard right now, but it's something we all need to hear, including this one preaching it. We all need to hear that sin destroys, that sin doesn't play favorites, and sin wants to put you in its showcase. But I want you to understand, sin Sin may come to you looking very appealing. That's because sin likes to show you its rookies. It never wants to show you its veterans. It only wants to show you its rookies. Because if we got to looking at sin's veterans, there's no way we'd want to go that path. If we got to looking at the end of methamphetamine use, nobody'd want to go down that path. If we got to looking at the end of, of all the horrible things people have gone through, dealing with promiscuity, and, 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 and you got to looking at somebody who's gotten to the end of all that and what it's done to them, there's no way you'd want to go down that way for just some quick thrill. You'd say, get me away from it. Get me away from it. And this pastor, because I love you, I've come to preach to you today and say get away from sin sanctuary church get away from sin get away from sin uh, we've got to get away from it we've got to stay close to God so we can hear him calling when sin is trying to lure us from him this pastor I have to stop and I have to tell you today get off the road called Samson's folly don't keep testing the boundaries of God's mercy and grace. I know God's great, full of grace. I know God's full of mercy. But don't see how far you can get, get away from God and still feel that power come over you every once in a while when you need it. Because one of these days, you're going to find yourself in some entrapment of the enemy. And when you try to shake yourself like Samson, you will realize that you have finally gone one step too far. The enemy has captured you and you cannot free yourself like you used to do. I've heard some people with this testimony say, well, I just don't feel God like I used to feel God at church. I've got news for you. It's not God's fault and it's not the church's fault. If you've been flirting around with sin, it's not the church's fault and it's not God's fault. It may just be that you got too far away and now you're trying to shake yourself and you can't feel it anymore. When everybody else can shake themselves maybe and still touch God. And you're saying, I, what about me? Why don't I feel anything? Why don't I experience God right now? What's wrong with these people? It's not the people. It may just be that you've been flirting with sin too long. I'm saying get away from it. Get away from it. Get away from it. I'm going to give you the remedy in a moment. But hear me when I say don't go that way. 
I plead with you not to go that way. I'm begging you today. If you're headed down a path that you know is, is a sinful path. I'm begging with you today. Turn around. Go the other way. Walk toward the Lord. Separate from this world. And walk toward Jesus. Hallelujah. But if you have gone that way and you are dealing with the things I've mentioned or you're currently traveling down that road, I do have good news for you today. In Samson's time, that day came when they threw a big party for their God. They called him Dagon. They said, our God has delivered Samson into our hand. Really, that wasn't true. Samson actually put himself into their hand. But regardless, they said, let's bring out Samson. Let's use him as entertainment of sorts to make fun of him. We'll desecrate their God and we'll exalt and extol ours. But while he was in that prison, something had happened in the heart of Samson. The Bible says that his hair began to grow again. I believe that was the outward sign of what was going on inwardly. His hair was growing outwardly because in his heart he had turned toward God again. And this once great and mighty warrior with supernatural strength and ability, he told the little lad who was now leading him as he could no longer see. He said in Judges 16.26 to the lad that led him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel. Everybody say feel. Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. In other words, help me to get a feeling in this situation that I am finding myself in today. Help me to get a feeling of the, of the surroundings and this bondage that I'm in, that I'm in this big room right now and I'm surrounded by all these scoffers and mockers. He said, help me to get a feeling for these things that is holding all this up. If there's to be any hope for me, I've got to have a feeling. And when he got his feeling, the Bible says that he bowed himself with all of his might. And he pushed those pillars apart so that the entire structure began to fall down around them. And the Bible says that on the roof of it alone there were 3,000. When Samson pushed it down, he slew more Philistines in that final act than he had done in all the rest of his life combined. And what I have come here today to preach to you is to tell you that if you can just get to talking with God, maybe you've been going down a path you should not have been going, but if you could just get to talking with God this morning, and if you could get a feeling in your situation, I want you to know that God is able to take what the devil does Desires to be the lowest moments of your life. And God can say I'm going to turn this around. And make it into your greatest victory. I am praying that in this house today. Somebody would get a feeling for the pillars of sin. That have taken you down that way that you know is not right. And that God would empower you by his spirit in this service today. And that you would push those pillars down in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm praying you push those things down. 
I'm praying that we push down the pillars of jealousy, of hatred, of envy, of strife, of resentment. I pray we push down the pillars of fornication, of lust, of alcohol, of drugs, of fear. I pray we push down the pillars of our past. I pray we push down whatever pillar is trying to keep us bound or locked up. Anything else that the devil has tried to put on you this week or even this day perhaps to make you feel like you can't have the touch of God on your life ever again I wish you'd say Lord if you just get me to those pillars today I wish I could be the little that little lad for you today I wish this message could be like me leading you to those pillars today and I just grab anybody I could in this building and say come with me I just want put one here and put one here come on put one up here put one here and if you could just get the standing there and make up your mind I don't want to live like this I don't want to go this way that's not who I am that's not who God called me to be God put a blessing on me God's got an anointing on my life I will not be this way if I could just get you to feel in those pillars today it might be that something would come over you and you would push down that which has been keeping you locked up Tim, if you'll come help me. I couldn't help but remember when I was just a little boy, I'd be driving down the road with my dad. We'd get in dad's little S10 pickup. How many remember the little S10? No power steering, stick shift. It was a little meat red Mitsubishi. I said S10 is really the Mitsubishi version of it. And we'd get in that little pickup. And we'd be driving down the road. And Dad had a tape that he liked to play. I fell in love with one of those songs on that tape. I don't remember who it was that sang it. I think I've since then gone and found it and downloaded it but I don't remember who it was that sang it it was an old southern gospel group but they'd sing this song on there they'd sing I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright oh I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright oh Everything's gonna be alright, be alright, be alright, be alright. Now I love that song. And when we got in the truck and that song would come on, I'd get excited every time. I, and, and, and it has a bunch of crazy verses. And not crazy, it's just long, you know. People like to make fun of some of the new songs. They say, well, he's got too many words in that new song. Have you read any of the songs in the hymnal? I love them too. They're wordy too. Well, this one was wordy. And and uh, I don't know if, if, I think all they really did was stay on the same key the whole time. And, and he kind of talked through it really, you know. 
And it went like this. The first one would say, God sent Moses to lead all his people out. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he thought he'd give them the route. So he chased them all down to the Red Sea shore. He thought he wouldn't have to worry about old Moses anymore. But Moses stretched his rod out over the sea. Anybody else know this? And the Lord answered Moses with a little gentle breeze. I can see Moses now with a smile on his face. Telling all God's people about his saving grace. And they'd sing, I've got a feeling. And then he'd sing the second verse. He'd say, a little boy named David went out to fight the giant. Everybody laughed at such a funny little sight. A little shepherd boy armed only with a sling. Beside mighty Goliath seemed such a puny little thing. But David said, you come to me with spear and a sword. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. He put in a stone. He gave it a fling. And as that stone sailed, David, he began to sing. He'd sing, I've got a feeling. They ended it with this one. They said, now for the greatest story of them all. Jesus was dying and hell had a ball. All the demons were rejoicing. They thought they had won the war. But soon they would not be laughing anymore. On that first Easter morning, when the sun woke up the earth, the caverns of the deep opened up as to give birth to a resurrected Savior with healing in His wings. Now you hosted children, rise and sing. And they start singing, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I know I preached hard against sin, but I'm not leaving here today on a down note. Because what I understand about sin is that we serve a God who's greater than sin. Because where sin doth abound, grace doth much more. Grace doth much more abound. So I understand today that I've got a remedy. That is greater than the problem. Hold my mules. I serve a God whose remedy is greater than the problem. And I came to tell you today, if you will, please just look at this preacher today as the little lad that leads you to those pillars and you say you know what this pillar represents my my past or this pillars this pillar may represent uh some some situation that i'm getting involved in whatever it is whatever sin is trying to take you down i wish somebody just say go ahead and lead me pastor to the pillars in my life today because i think if i could just get a feeling i think if i could just get a feeling that everything gonna be alright oh yes I somebody step out from where you are today come on